Welcome to Peak to Pit, Allie Peak, TJ Pittinger, talking all things college football. TJ, we both had great weekends for totally different reasons. My team, no stress, no playing, no, no emotional heartache going on. You, your team took care of business, did what they had to do, but did you end up going to Tallahassee? What'd you do with your weekend? I didn't go. Um, we got a little bit of... She ended up being fine, but Elena got a little sick this week and they took, we took her in and got her tested and we thought it was strep. It wasn't strep. It wasn't COVID. So, but they said she had some kind of virus and they were like, yeah, don't let her, it was on Thursday afternoon. They were like, don't let her go to school. Mm -hmm. um, just keep her home on Friday. She can go back Monday. She'll be fine. As long as she doesn't have any symptoms. She was totally fine on Friday. We just ran around and played all day. And so I didn't because I thought it'd be contagious and yeah, I'd be sitting up yeah. in the press box and I didn't, I really didn't want to do the drive, but I messaged the sports information director and just said like, Hey, I don't want to sit in the press box with yeah whatever my kid has. I'll be up for the Miami game in a couple of weeks. And he's like, Oh yeah, no problem. So I just watched it at home, hung out at home, didn't end up going, but uh, yeah, Florida state took care of business. Florida state has not lost a game in a month, um, which is kind of crazy to yeah. think about starting the season 0 and 4 and then not losing a game in a month and not because they're like covid cancellations or <laughs> right anything, right not because the game like, wasn't played they've they played three games and had a bye and so have not lost a game in uh one month from today the 25th they played um September 25th against Louisville and really man if you could split the season in half um really look like a completely different team since the second half of that Louisville game the second half of the Louisville game where they did kind of come back Mm -hmm. make it a game, shut Louisville out, scored a few times in the second half to get back in that game, ended up losing by one score, and then winning their most recent three games against Syracuse, North Carolina, where they were a heavy road underdog, mm -hmm. and then UMass, where they, they beat UMass this weekend 59-3. to um, I don't know that we necessarily need to recap that, but completely dominated a really, really bad team. Like UMass is not good at all. I don't – I don't know that you would call this impressive by any means by Florida State, but you know the last time they played a team that they were significantly better than, um, they came out and laid an egg, ended up losing sure. to Jacksonville State. I think Jacksonville State would beat UMass pretty well, but I also think that if Florida State would have played this well against Jacksonville State, they probably went by like 24 or 30. Yeah. So um, Florida State played better, avoided the letdown against one of the worst teams in the FBS, and uh, – dominated from start to finish got out of the game relatively healthy i think they have one offensive lineman that they're kind of iffy on he's day-to-day -day. the notre dame transfer dylan gibbons but outside of that got out of the game healthy the backups got three or four drives so jordan travis and the starters got to get out the rest of the offensive line got to get out as well and uh outside of a, a fumbled kickoff that let umass score early florida state essentially pitched a shutout, right? You know, did everything they could. And thanks to a fumble, UMass was able to score early, but Florida State went on a 59-0 run, took a care of an opponent like you're supposed to when you play a crappy yeah. team. So anyway, a good weekend for me. What was your weekend like? Uh, we had Pig Jig this weekend. We actually had a literally jam-packed weekend. Um, Pig Jig is a charity barbecue competition that is here in Tampa. This is the 10-year anniversary. Really crazy. It was actually uh, 
founded by friends of mine from high school, um, including a, my high school boyfriend. And uh, they, they founded it for a friend of theirs um, who they went to Jesuit with, who has a very rare kidney disease. Uh, and they decided 10 years ago, actually 11 years ago, because they took last year off because of COVID to start a barbecue competition to raise money for Nepicure, which are Nepicure, which uh, funds research into uh, kidney disease. Anyway, 10 year anniversary, they had Darius Rucker, they had 87 barbecue teams enter. Um, they had Brett Young, they had, I mean, it was super, super cool. They have to date raised more than $5 million That's for awesome. Nepicure. And because of pig jig, they believe that they are within five years of a cure um, because of the research dollars that they have raised at Pig Jig. They're the single largest uh, funder of NEPCURE in the world, which I think is so, so cool. And Eric and my brother-in-law um, had a team. My parents were one of the sponsors and they came in fourth for their pork butt out of 87 teams. They came mm -hmm. in ninth uh, for their brisket. Um, so you know, and this is our first year entering. So, you know, now they're back to the drawing board for the next 365 days because uh, they think they can do better than that. I, I want to recount on the ribs because the ribs were fantastic and they should have placed in the top 10 for that. But um, really, really fun. But Eric left at four o'clock or actually, no, he got there at four o'clock in the morning. He left our house at three o'clock in the morning. We didn't get home till 1145, woke up, he had to go back to pick up all the smokers and the grill and all the stuff that was there. And then we had a gymnastics competition in the afternoon. So the Wilbur household is exhausted. Yeah. sounds like a crazy weekend. Hey, you were asking what you could bring this weekend. Any of that, that Eric made, like, um, tell him that we are, um, we are uh, accepting any or all of that and okay. let you cook for less people, smaller, butt or, or whatever, but. We'll take you here, all of that. All right. I'll let him know. Um, well, sounds like fun. And then your yeah. team couldn't let you down this weekend. I mean, my team couldn't let me down. I watched find ways on bye weeks to let you down, but like they found a way not to let you down this weekend. So well, I guess it depends on who you're talking about. For me, I was not let down, but if you were, if you follow Gator Twitter at all, apparently they were very let down. <laughs> the fact that Tom Grantham was not fired over the bye week or that uh, Emory Jones, it was not announced that Emory Jones was benched or anything like that. But for me, I'm good. Uh, excited to head into Florida Georgia week. And uh, we're going to hang out this weekend. Uh, kind of christen your new, back porch. Um, and it should be a good Excited time about that. Yeah, yeah. For sure. So quick recap of last week's game that we're already done with, and then we'll move on to this week's game. So let's talk FSU season outlook now and their matchup with Clemson. Clemson took on Pittsburgh this week and didn't, didn't necessarily look good. Um, came out and scored first to take a seven to nothing lead and had the ball, um, and really just dropped a wide open touchdown, a guy streaking across the middle that would have put them up 14, nothing and definitely would have, I don't know if it would have changed the outcome, but it definitely would have changed the outset of the game mm -hmm. from there. Pittsburgh kind of went on a little bit of a run. They scored uh, one. I would think they went on a 24 to three run there to make it 24 to 10. They ended up winning 27 to 17 and the game was never really in doubt in the second half. Um, Clemson's defense is really good. Like Clemson reminds me so much of that 2013 Florida team that had an elite defense, but mm -hmm. their offense was so inept that they just could not, 
Like the defense could hold for like a quarter or two, right. but then after getting thrown onto the field over right. and over and three and out after three and out after three and out, finally the defense just wore down. And, well, and right. When you never get off the field, yeah, there's couldn't stop people. Right. Um, and couldn't get couldn't get anything going on offense, and so your defense just gets absolutely worn out. And that's really what it reminded me of. Clemson's defense looked really good against Pitt in the first half. Um, Pitt scored, uh, I want to say, midway through the second, and then to kind of to end the half, like very mm-hmm. late. Yeah, with less than a minute to go in the second half um, to take a fourteen to seven lead. And so Clemson's defense is really really good. Their offense is not good at all. They have not scored more than 19 points in regulation this year. They did score 27. I'm sorry, they scored 21 against NC State, but seven of that coming in overtime, 25 yards away. Um, So in regulation against NC State, they scored 14. Um, They scored three against Georgia, which I know that Georgia is the number one team in the country, probably the best defense in the country. They scored 14 against Georgia Tech. They scored, again, in regulation, they scored – uh, 14 against NC State. They scored 19 against Boston College, 17 against Syracuse, and 17 against Pittsburgh. Um, I'm interested to see what their offense looks like. I, I wouldn't necessarily – like they put 17 up against Clint, against Syracuse. I mean, I think Florida State has a better defense than Syracuse. I don't think it's leaps and bounds better. Right. Um, they only put up 14 against Georgia Tech, and that was at home. They didn't score against Georgia. Well, a field goal against Georgia. Yeah. Put 19 on Boston College, who is not very good. So, I don't know. I'm very interested to see. I mean, they scored 17 against Pitt. I think, didn't Tennessee score like 40 against Pitt? You know, I know we're playing 34. Yeah, 34 against Pitt. I'm not transitive property like, oh, this team did this. But it's very wild to me that Clemson is so pathetic on offense. And I'm interested to see what – they do against a, a Florida State defense that has looked better as of late, but still is not great by any means. I think Clemson right. relies heavily on the big play. If they would have not have dropped a massive touchdown going down the middle, I think that uh, they go up 14 and maybe get things rolling a little bit, but their offense is pretty bad. Their defense is good. And so I think in this game, the difference between the pit game and the uh, Clemson, the pit and the Clemson game was definitely turnovers. Clemson had three. I don't think Pitt had any. I have to look real quick at the box score to see. Uh, Pittsburgh did lose one fumble, um, but Clemson had three turnovers. Three. Oh, they only counted in with two interceptions. So I guess they only lost a turnover battle by one. A two to one turnover battle loss. But I think if Florida State wins this turnover battle and limits the big play. I think they're going to be in in the fourth quarter. And I'm not predicting a road win against Clemson just yet, maybe later in the show, but it's only a 10 point spread. Like, yeah. I don't think it would shock anybody if. Yeah. I mean, it would surprise people, but I wouldn't, I don't think it would shock anyone, right? Yeah. Like, if Florida State upsets Clemson here. Well, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think this game happens four games earlier, even if it's the exact same Constantine, it's more shocking, right, than it is now at this point where we've seen this happen repeatedly to Clemson. But I think Florida State has a legitimate chance, and we certainly wouldn't have said that in September. Uh, more shocking that Florida State beats Clemson or loses to Jacksonville State or that both of those happen in the same year. <laughs> yeah, both of them happen in the same year is what yeah, makes it like, as completely crazy. 
Uh, Clemson scores 20 points a game. That obviously is factored in with the fact that they beat um, South Carolina State 45-3. to um, Florida State scores 31 points a game. Um, Clemson averages about 321 yards a game. Florida State averages 413 yards a game. Um, defense is pretty similar. Florida State gives up 388. Clemson gives up 336, so only about a 50-yard difference there. Um, and I think, again, the reason that they give up more points, Clemson's defense, is because they do get pretty worn out in the first half. So, man, I, I don't really know what to think about this game. I mean, it's really hard to think that Florida State will go on the road and beat Clemson, even as bad right. as Clemson has been. Um, I saw a stat, we'll talk about Florida here in just a minute, where Mullen just basically justified the the season and said we're three plays away from being 7-0. and yeah, that's true, but you're probably two plays away from being two and five. Right? Like that's just what happens. I mean, you win, you win some one score games, you lose some one score games. You know that's typically how. But you look at Clemson's record, and they are a one two. They're three and two in one score games, right? Yeah. You're typically going to go about five hundred in in one score games, right? Yeah. And so Clemson could very easily have two more wins. And really, even that Georgia game, I mean, they lost by a pick six. You know, if it wasn't for the pick six, they, I mean, it was 3 3 going overtime. Now, I'm certainly not going to say that I would have picked them there, but I don't think we knew how bad they were that opening night when they played Clemson. So, I'm sorry, when they played Georgia. So, I don't know. Clemson could easily, I guess my whole point of saying that is they're three plays away from being two and five, but they're also a couple of plays away from being six and one. Five and two, something like that. Kind of the same thing for Florida State. They're a tackle away against Jacksonville State from being um, four and three instead of three and four. They were in the Notre Dame game, so they're a play away there. I mean, yeah, that's kind of the game everybody can play, right? Like, oh, we're a couple of plays away from this. I mean, you're also a couple of plays away from having a couple more losses, right? So, I mean, that's not necessarily true. If all of your wins are big wins, you're not a player two away from having a totally different record, and uh, you know, in the loss category and you could still be, but it could work towards wins. Like Florida is legit two to three plays away from beating Alabama. I don't know that you can say that about any other team that Florida played this year. So I don't know where, where he's getting the seven and Oh, because I think he's saying like, you know, know, yeah, I mean, you're, you're kind of assuming that you're assuming that you're one play away I think they're two to three plays away from Kentucky, LSU, and Alabama. So I would say you could say maybe you're ten plays away from being seven and zero. I don't know that it's fair to say. I think what he's three plays, but yeah, I think he's saying like so when you lose by one, he's saying one play. So like if Alabama would have thrown a pick six, that was one play, right? Like something crazy. If ifs and buts were candies and nuts, right? I mean, uh, but listen, I get the point. I get the point. This is not a team that was blown out even the losses that, but but they had a loss or at least one loss they had two losses that they shouldn't have had so I don't know that it matters if it's one play away from winning those or you know two quarters away from winning those they lost them right so uh, it, it's not you don't get less of a loss in the loss column because right. you were only two plays away from it's happening it's a I loss fans, it's a bad I, loss I don't I think, think it fans, makes any difference I think fans hate that line of thinking. (laughs) I get it from a motivational factor for your players, right? If your coach is going into the locker room and you're saying, it's not how I'd spin it to the public. It's exactly what I would say to my locker room because it is true, right? If 
you gave me five seconds of relentless effort on two more plays, this outcome might have been different. So give it to me for two more plays the next game and let's see if we can change the trajectory of this team. I get that in the locker room. I just think you come out and you say say that to the press and fans don't it care. Like that doesn't like, right. that's not you don't need to motivate your fans, right? You don't need you don't to sell to go, it as right. a good loss to your fans. It is what it is. It's a loss. But I totally understand that line of thinking for inside your locker room, because that is how you motivate those players. If you're telling those players, hey, you know, we are so far away from having won that game, you guys suck. Like that doesn't, how does that motivate them in any way? But as a fan, for you to come out and say, listen, they were heads and tails better than us today. We have to go back to the drawing board and work our butts off if we want to be able to get the next win. I actually prefer that as a fan to hear that because it makes me think that you know there's a big problem because well, we took the L. I think your fans here, I mean, your players hear what you say in the media though too. So like you want to, yeah, I think you but I think also, but, I don't know. I, I think mean, players all know said. that whatever gets said to the media is only said to appease fans. They don't, they don't expect that anything that's actually said out there is anything but coach speak. I mean, so that's all. All that said, going back to Clemson. Yeah, sorry. Um, before I, although I did, I am glad that you finally disagreed with one thing that Mullen did on this podcast. So um, I appreciate that. I wasn't I even trying no to get you there when I disagree. Um, so back to Clemson. What are your, so if you had to put a percentage on this, what percentage does FSU have to win this game? I think y'all have a 30 to 40% chance of winning this game. Like that. So essentially, the way I like to think about that is if the game happens three times, we win once. Yeah. Or it's almost a coin flip. Like 40. Yeah. I mean, that's a big swing there. 40 is like almost a coin flip. Yeah. I, I think if if Florida State loses the turnover battle by less than by one or less, mm-hmm. right? So you could lose it by you could lose by one. I think that they'll be in it in the fourth quarter. It's yeah. hard to say like, oh, we'll definitely win. Uh, you know, I just think it, I think the matchup is really, really good. I think where Florida State struggles is, um, Florida State struggles in the areas of quarterbacks that can throw the ball well. And that's mm-hmm. why I was so shocked that they were able to play well against North Carolina. They played right. situationally well against North Carolina because there were times that UNC just absolutely drove up and down the field. Getting a red zone turnover was really big. Um, UNC drove right up and down the field the very first two drives of the game. And uh, Florida State was able to kind of run the ball to kill a lot of clock and kind of keep that going. Florida State struggles uh, on both sides of the ball against the pass. Like, they can't defend the pass well, which is a good thing that that DJ – Ungale, I don't, I don't want to say his name, DJ Hallelujah or whatever his name is, but it's a good thing that he's not a great passer. We just can't like, right. we just can't get beat super deep like that Pittsburgh right. play. I mean, I didn't see it, but guys just wide open, streaking across the middle of the field, deep down the seam, and he just drops the ball. Like the guy put it right on him and he dropped it. And that would have been fourteen nothing. Um, we can't get beat deep like that. Um, I, I like that. I like how we'll probably play against the run. I think we've had a good run defense all year. The defensive line has been the brightest spot of the team. The transfers, Kiara Thomas, and Jermaine Johnson out of Georgia, both really, really good. Um, yeah. Jermaine Johnson's like the defensive player of the year so far in the ACC, like legitimately got that midway through the season. So how stacked is Georgia when he's leaving to go be the best player in a whole other conference? Um, yeah. But uh, 
if Florida State can limit the big play, not turn the ball over, and they need to run effectively. They had 365 rushing yards on Saturday. Obviously, that's against a really, really bad UMass team. Um, but the week before against you and uh, the two weeks before that against uh, Syracuse, they had 247 yards rushing. And then the week after that, the week in between these two games against UNC, Florida State put up uh, – 238 yards rushing. If Florida State is able to run for 225 or more yards, probably just over 200, not have to throw the ball a ton. Against UNC, they had 145 yards. Against UMass, um, I want to say we had like 100. And uh, Jordan Travis had 131 against Q's. And then against UMass, I don't know. Every time I click on this game, it goes to a different one. But against UMass, Jordan Travis had another 123. If we can keep from having to throw the ball a ton, kind of put it on the running game, I think they'll win. I, mean, I, I just, I think if they can just keep from having to throw and keep Clemson from having to throw and kind of dictate the fact that we run the ball a lot, we run it well, don't turn the ball over, I think they'll win. So I don't know. 33 or 40 probably sounds about right. I think Clemson, if this game was played three times, Clemson's athletes are better. But I, I think our quarterback's better. I mean, I'll say that. I think Jordan Travis is a better quarterback right now than that DJ kid is. I mean, I, you know. Yeah. You know, especially when you kind of consider what he brings running the ball. So, right. Anyway, I don't know if I like us yet or not, but it's crazy that we even have a chance. So Right? Um, You're saying there's a chance. So, um a team that doesn't have a chance this weekend. Let's talk about let's talk about the cocktail party in Jacksonville. Um, Florida comes in as a 14-point underdog. Uh, both teams fresh off of a bye week. Both teams have had two weeks to prepare for each other. Um, immediate thoughts on Florida going up against the best team probably the best team they'll see all year, Georgia in Jacksonville. Um, You know, this is going to be a, a hard fought battle. I'm pretty sure it's 14 and a half right now. I bet it gets, you know, upwards of 16, uh, maybe 16 and a half by the time kickoff happens. Um, I don't think that anybody is giving this team, uh, you know, any shot at all. I'm pretty sure this is uh, one of the largest spreads that's ever happened in this contest, which is uh, interesting, but listen, Florida lost to LSU. They gave up a ridiculous amount of points. Um, LSU got beat the week after by an, by uh, Ole Miss. LSU is not a, a wonderful football team, right? They're not great. They're good. They're not great. Um, much better than North Carolina. Much better than North Carolina. Absolutely, much better than North Carolina. But uh, and you know and and it's if God it's is, if God has any kind of like favor on us that that will be a bowl game this year. Like both those teams will be six right. and six. That would be game. it'll be amazing. It'll that be would be in, uh, it'll be here in St. Pete. We'll go. And we'll go. We'll be on the it'll be fabulous. <laughs> We're so, blue and purple and orange. It'll be so great. <laughs> this is I, I this matchup is interesting for us though, right? Florida's strength is their running game. Uh, Georgia's defensive strength is their, uh, their run defense. So, uh, you know, that is going to be a tough, a tough matchup, uh, for Florida. Georgia has a very good defense. It is the best defense that Florida will see this year. It's better than Alabama's defense. Um, I just all year have felt like 
Florida's going to win this game. I don't, and I think that's what's going to end up making this season even more frustrating than it has been for fans is that I think that Florida does have the opportunity to play spoiler here. I think they do. Um, I don't think that Dan Mullen has a problem getting his team up for big games. I think there's some kind of disconnect in winning the games that you should. Um, I, I think the atmosphere is going to be awesome. It's certainly not going to favor one team over the other. Um, Florida's going to need everything to go right. They're going to need to play mistake-free football. Um, they have been doing much better penalty-wise. Um, I'm really interested to see what happens with Emory Jones and uh, Anthony Richardson. Mullen has made some interesting statements in the past couple of weeks. Um, last week, they said they asked him who the starter was, and he said he hadn't decided because he hadn't scripted the first play. He kind of stuck with that in his press conference that happened this week. He said a similar thing. I don't know why you guys are basically, I don't know why you guys are obsessed with who's starting. It's more about who's finishing. Now, between those two things, I found interesting. One, because prior to last week, any time that Mullen was asked who his starter was, it's that it hasn't changed and it's Emory Jones and we will see Richardson. This is the very first time he's ever said, I don't know, I haven't scripted the play. And now he's said that twice. So although I know Gator fans are up in arms saying, you know, oh man, he's playing Emory again and blah, 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 and he just doesn't learn. I, I thought it was interesting that he has departed from what he has said before. Now that doesn't mean that Richardson is for sure starting or that I've heard anything at all. I just found that interesting because it's different than what he said. The other thing he said today was, um, it, in his mind, he thinks it's far more important who finishes the game than who starts the game. The starter is only who takes the first play. That's interesting to me because of the amount that Richardson played at the end of the LSU game, which is different than what has happened previous to. Um, again, you know, my maybe that's there, totally- Yeah, my takeaway there, I do think that's a good point. I think that... Um, I think that what he's basically saying or implying there is I'm going to go with whoever's hot. Right. I think so too. And that's never been like whoever is making the least amount of mistakes. mistakes. Yes. But that's different than the things that he said in previous press conferences. So I, you know, I know that it's not saying a lot and any Gator fan that's watching these press conferences expecting for some, you know, for him to come out waving the white flag and saying like, you guys were right. You're right. I'm going with Richardson. I'm firing Grantham. You guys know football and I don't, that's not going to happen. He's very, he's not going to give away anything. Dan Mullen doesn't love press conferences. He's not, uh, he doesn't give away things. He, he's conservative in the things that he says in general, in terms of what he gives away uh, about what to expect on the field. So I don't, I don't know why anybody thought that that was going to be different in this two week stretch. than it's been the entire time he's ever been a head coach, but here we are. But I did pick up on those two things that I find interesting. I think that that means that he's not going to ride Emory the entire game. If, if Emory's not hot, I think that it means that there's a chance that Emory's maybe not even the starter or he plays the first game the first snap and then it goes to Richardson. I don't know. I just think we're going to see something slightly different. I think we see both. I don't think that he's that Richardson's the guy and Emery is riding the pine and that's just is what it is or anything like that. But I feel like he said a few things different this week that lead me to believe things are going to be handled slightly differently than they have the rest of the season. They have to be for Florida to be successful, right? Like this is uh, Florida has got to figure out a way to consistently put points on the board They have to figure out a way to play mistake-free football. There can't be interceptions. There can't be fumbles. That's where, uh, that is where Florida will give away this game before they've even given themselves a chance. Um, 
I think it's going to be a ball game, TJ. This is a rivalry. This is a big game. This is not. Uh, this is not a foregone conclusion for me. So, um, I think the biggest issue here is that Florida is going to need to start quickly, and we haven't mm-hmm. seen that from them all for season. Really, the last yeah, in and, and, and really even it's really going back to last year. season as well, right? Yeah. Um, and so. To me, that's the biggest thing mm-hmm. is that Florida was built – Florida last year was built to come back and right. did it at times when they started poorly. Um, I will bet you anything that if they get down 14 to nothing this year like they did last year mm-hmm. against this UGA defense and without one of the most prolific offenses that Florida has ever had, yeah. they're not coming back. Right. Like so last year they were, last think, year they were built to come back. I don't think that Emory Jones or Anthony Richardson and the fact that Florida's strength is their running game, both guys turn the ball over a decent amount, one due to just I think skill level, one due to just being young and not mm-hmm. all the way there yet. I don't think they can go down multiple scores again. Yeah. I mean and I not if that happens in the first five minutes, yeah, it's a lot different. of time to come right. back. But I don't think they're going to down multiple scores and come back on this Georgia team. This is- I don't think you can't go in the locker room down 17 points like you did against Alabama and hope for the same outcome. I think that this team is capable of second half comebacks. I think that they play better football in the second half than the, the first. I just think Georgia in particular is too good to do that against. I think truly Florida was still in it in every one of the games that they lost late into the second quarter. I mean, excuse me, into this late into the second half, even though they started slow in all three of those games. Those three opponents just were uh, not strong enough to prevent that, right? Georgia is. Florida has to come out of the gate and put points on the board, or at the very least prevent Georgia from putting points on the board in order to stay in this. This Georgia is not the type of team. Florida doesn't have the type of urgency to put enough points on this defense if they're only scoring in the second half or they're, you know, they're coming from behind. You go into halftime down seven, fine. I don't think you can go into half down more than 10 and have a shot though. And preferably you go in closer than that to give yourself a shot. But I just I don't see a scenario where they go into the halftime the half down more than 10 and end up winning their path to victory is already incredibly narrow and that's going to make it next to impossible. Yeah. They, and, and really it's been more than just the, um, the, the three games that Florida lost that they've started slow. Oh, every um, game they've started yeah, slow. It just depends on the opponent, how bad they, that, that affects them. Right. Um, they, against Vandy, you know, Vandy missed two field goals sure. in the first half and had a touchdown that was, very close to being, you know, ruled a touch that was ruled a touch sure. on the field and then turned over. And so, you know, that, that score very easily could have been like 13 to 21, a one score game. And then they, they only led Tennessee. Now they turned it on the second half. They only yes. led Tennessee by three going into the half as well. Um, after a missed yeah. Tennessee field. No, I mean, this that, is that, a that second half a, team, but um, it just depends on who your opponent is, whether that's acceptable, whether it burns you or not. And so right. Florida and Georgia Interesting. You you talked about the rushing being Florida's strength. Obviously, uh, Florida gets a lot of yards passing. But they're just not incredibly efficient. A lot of turnovers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Emory's touchdown to interception ratio is ten to nine, and so right. he's pretty boomer bust. I just um, think- Anthony Richardson's has been slightly better, but yeah, Florida runs for about two hundred and fifty yards a game, which is pretty mm-hmm. impressive. Uh, 
Georgia is ridiculous. They give up 62 yards rushing yeah. a game. Now, I, I won't be shocked if Florida gets well over 100, um, right. but I don't think they get anywhere next to that 250. I think that for Florida to win, I, you know, it's almost like those old Alabama teams. Like, nobody ever beat Alabama rushing the ball. Like, there was just such a difference in up front. And, you know, it's tough for me to think that Florida is going to come into this game. Okay, let's back up. Florida's path to victory in this game to me it will not be running the ball. I don't think that they're going to beat Georgia at Georgia's strength. I don't think that right. I just don't think that Florida's good enough rushing the ball to say but, we are going to and you may disagree with that. I'm okay with that. I don't think they're good enough to say line it up, we're gonna beat you at the thing you're very best at. Right. I but think I don't, they have they to be able to them, establish some sort of a running game to give right. themselves a chance, though. If they're one dimensional, they also lose. Yeah. I, probably, yeah, and that's why I think Georgia wins this game either way. I think it's more likely if Florida has one, and not so I'm not pretty, let me want to be careful the way I'm saying this because I'm not saying that I think this is more likely to happen. But if if we get to seven o'clock on Saturday and Florida wins this game, it will be more likely because Emory or Anthony Richardson had a good game, or both right. of them had right. a good game through the air than. Florida just lining up and beating yeah. Georgia at their biggest strength. And so I'm not saying that I think that that is more likely to happen. Right. But you I think, think that's that the path. If, if, if Florida wins this game, it's because Emory played mistake free. Yeah. And he came in and, and showed you that he could make uh, the spectacular throws like he did against LSU without the boneheaded ones where he throws the ball away. Things like that. Like, I think that that's the combination. I think for it to happen for, I think Florida has to do everything right. Essentially. I think it's important for them to establish some sort of running game. I think that that uh, they need to be able to keep their offense on the field uh, for some sustained drives. I think that establishing a running game will help you do that. I don't think even if Anthony Richardson or Emory Jones hits some sweet 60 yard bombs that end up, you know, going for touchdowns. If the, if the offense is on the field for such short amounts of time, Georgia's just going to turn around and score too. I think there's got to be some established drives. They've got to, uh, they've got to eat up a little bit of the clock. They've got, uh, but Emory and Richardson, both of them, whoever plays, whatever has to make less mistakes, right? Both of them have not shown great judgment at a lot of times in this season. This is the worst possible opponent to show poor judgment against, right? Their team will eat you alive if you are are going to miss your read, if you are going to steer your receiver down. These are the this is the team that will capitalize on those things. And you know, it's it is going to be a dogfight, but I think that Florida's defense has to participate in this. As much as people want to complain about Florida's offense and who the starter should be and whatever bonehead mistake either quarterback has done, the problem, honestly, is the defense more often than not. Last week, Florida put up fifty or 42 points, or excuse me, two weeks ago. 42 points should be enough to beat anybody that you're playing, but not when your defense gives up 49. And I understand that some of those points came off of offensive mistakes, but a lot of them didn't. But uh, but a lot of them didn't, and so your Florida's defense has got to play better. Florida's secondary and their linebackers have got to do a better job uh, than they have all season. Truly, it truly feels like, and I, you know, 
don't shoot me with this, but it feels like Florida just finds way to lose, right? And I understand that they just play different opponents, but you play like a good defense against Kentucky, and so you don't score any points. And then you play a, mm-hmm. a bad defense against LSU, and you can't stop them, right? Like, it's right. just like every week, Florida mm-hmm. – not every week, because they, they won more than lost. But when they play somebody with a pulse, it does feel like – Outside of the Alabama game, uh, yeah. you know, Kentucky well, they and LSU – They feel, feel like they found a way to lose that but I feel like going down but by losing, early. losing to Alabama is different than losing to Kentucky. It's you different than losing to LSU. Now. No, yeah. it's not like – I, 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 I don't care found, about the Notre Dame party you threw. Um, I, I feel like they found a way to lose that too. Like, they, yeah. if you don't go down 18, then you win yeah. that one as well. So, I, yeah. I just – every week it's something different. Now, I will say – they did give up 49 to LSU, but they had a, I mean, Florida gave LSU the game it, to me in the first half with the, with the back-to-back turnovers, LSU yeah. was given the ball uh, 28 yards away and then 21 yards away from the end. Right. So they were given the ball in field goal range twice in the first sure. half. Um, and then did LSU and then LSU scored an inter, a touchdown for an interception too. Yeah. So, I mean that's that's twenty one points right there. I I I get it, so but like, twenty eight so, is a so lot 20, to give up. Yeah, but twenty eight looks a lot better than forty nine. Of course, for know, sure. Like you know, sure. so if you I mean, give listen, them the ball, there's a lot of blame to go around in the LSU game, right? Like there's there's basically nobody that doesn't deserve a finger pointing at them in some in some way. But twenty eight points is unacceptable for a Florida defense to give up. So take all of those offensive mistakes away. The right. offense didn't make it any easier, right? They didn't right. help them out. They put their defense in terrible positions. They kept them on the field for two. They just there I was a lot just, of problems. I think it's a but, little disingenuous to say that, like the defense gave up forty nine when you gave them the ball. No, twice I mean I get range. yes, yeah. I understand, but and one of them was a pick 20, six. I mean the defense again, really only gave up forty two. Twenty eight <laughs> points is a lot. Like I, I mean, I. It's not really in today's college football, but I see what you're saying. It's not uh, a Florida defensive standard, that's for sure. It's it's wild to me as a as a lifetime Gator fan because it feels like we can either have an elite offense or an elite defense. We're not allowed to have both. Um, not that Florida has either this year, but in general, uh, you know, for for a decade or longer, it was always it didn't really matter who our coach was. We know our defense is going to be great, but we need to be able to put together some semblance of an offense. And Florida has put together some semblance of an offense under Mullen every year, even this year. But the defense has declined the last four years. So it's, you know, it's a frustrating position for Florida fans to be in. But I'm telling you what, I still think that Florida plays up or down to their opponents. We're going to see a different team on Saturday than we have seen. I think that Florida has a shot. I think that this rivalry game means something to all of these players. I think it it the energy in that game is different. Rarely is it a blowout. Either way, I... I am excited for Saturday. I think that Florida has a shot. What shot would you, I know you're going to pick them, um, but what you gave Florida state a 30 to 40% chance. I I think this is interesting. Florida state is a 10 point dog. Florida is a 14 to 14 and a half point dog. Um, But ESPN gives you guys a 20% chance to win. And and I don't know if that has, uh, that may have to do with the fact that it's neutral as opposed to mm-hmm. home or away. away, but gives you guys a 20% chance to win. gives us like a 15% chance to win. That's so interesting. ESPN. So Vegas. And likes ESPN us to do not it, agree. Right. Yeah, Vegas likes us to keep it a little bit closer. ESPN likes you guys to keep it a little bit closer. Both say that, you know, both teams are going to lose. Um, 
But what percentage chance would you give Florida to win this game? 25%. 25. Mm -hmm. All right. I like it because last week you told me you thought Florida State was more likely to beat Clemson than Florida was to beat Georgia. I still think that. Yeah. I think that too. And that's not a troll. That's not just like, no. I, and I think that says more. Yeah. It says more about Clemson than it does. I think and Georgia. Three, right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think it's, yeah. I think that George, I think that the, the team there that we're in the most surprised with this year out of those four is Clemson. Right. Right. Like, I think we yeah. all expected, I think yeah. we all expected Florida state to stink. We all expected Georgia to be pretty good. We all thought that Florida could be like, you know, like you just, I mean, I hate to go back to this a couple of plays away from being great, a couple of plays away from being mediocre or whatever, you know, like right. they've been in every game. They're not getting blown sure, sure. So, um, but yeah, the Clemson one is, is kind that of, that is a, pressure. it's very similar to LSU two years ago, uh, off their national championship. It's, it's an interesting, uh, feel. And I mean, I think it's a different coaching scenario. I think that Dabo is one of the best to do it. So I don't, uh, I don't expect him to be in the hot seat a year later, but it's interesting to see how you can go from being this championship caliber team to the next year, Just put out the kind off. of performance. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Florida state at least like, so won the championship, then went to the playoff, then went to a new year's six bowl in sure. 2015. Weren't great. Went to another new year's six bowl in 2016, then 2017 barely made a bowl game. Then 2018, just barely missed a bowl game. Yeah. In 2019, won three games. You know, like it was a decline every single year. Like right, right. A win or two less, a win or two less, a win or two less. Sure, you can see the decline. This right. is just like an off the like, Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they are they are absolutely lucky. Yeah. To you know the player two away, they beat Syracuse because Syracuse is an like idiots, right? Like they really should have lost to Syracuse <laughs> at the end of the game. So I, I, you know, they could be, it could be even worse there. So, okay. This got brought up. We got like 10 minutes to talk about this and then we can do spend like 10 minutes on picks and then we get out of here. But this got brought up um, on the timeline. Ryan tweeted this. So I don't want to shout Ryan out because that's not like, I don't don't really do that. I don't really like him that much. But anyway, um, Florida spends, when you look at how much money Florida spends on recruiting or all the teams in college football spend on recruiting, Georgia's number one, Alabama's number two. And then uh, Florida is number 14 overall in college football. They're number six mm-hmm. in the SEC. And they also spend less money than Florida State does. Now, not by a wide, wide margin, mm-hmm. um, but by what, 150,000? Is that what, what this one said? Do you know? So when you're when you're talking in the millions – it's not a wide margin, but when you consider UF's endowment and you consider, uh, you know, the Florida State doesn't have any money jokes that get tossed around, <laughs> which are true. Like Florida State's been a program for much less years. Like that, it's not the same as as what Florida has. Um, it's interesting that that Florida just spends less so in recruiting, I, and that I, budget is smaller. I found this um, really, really interesting. And um, that I wonder if with the Florida, Florida state difference, if since it is, you know, 150 grand or something semi-small, I wonder if the difference in that is uh, Florida coaches driving to like Polk and Hillsborough and, and Florida state coaches flying into those places. Cause it is a pretty small sum of money. And I know, and within two hours of Gainesville is some really talent rich 
counties that both schools recruit in the state and Florida State for logistics purposes, it would make more sense for Florida State to take a plane from Tallahassee just to make it to these uh, places. So I wonder if that um, maybe accounts for the slight differential between those two uh, programs. But this is what I will say. I think that this is important for Florida fans to read and digest because I also because I think it's very telling as to where Scott Strickland's mind is with Dan Mullen in recruiting. If you are number six in the SEC spending wise, I don't know how much you can expect your coach who you know is not a world beater recruit is not known as being a world beater recruiting wise, right? He's that's never been Mullen's reputation, even as a quarterback's coach, is that he was an incredible recruiter. He's been a, a decent recruiter. He, uh, but I would never say that like you have him on hit your staff because he's just the closer or anything like that from any of the staffs he's ever been on. But if you are sixth in the SEC, so just above middle of the road, anytime you sign a class just above middle in the road of the SEC, your employer's looking like you're succeeded, succeeding there. I think that that's interesting because Florida fans want a top five class every year because a top five class is what most likely translates to a national championship. I want a top five class every year too, and I'm not saying that I don't. But I think that this is telling me that Dan Mullen has a much longer leash than maybe people realize because I don't know how you can say join Alabama, join Georgia, we're going to do it with a third of the amount of money. We don't have the facilities either one of them do, which Florida's about to. Um, They're spending a ridiculous amount of money on a brand new standalone football facility that is going to be one of the best in the country. We're a year and a half away-ish from that being open. But I think that it's really, really difficult to ask your head coach, again, who you know is not known as being a world beater, closer, recruiter, to do what Saban does, to do what Kirby does, and to do it with a third of the amount of money. So I think that's one way to look at it. And so since this, since we're on the podcast, I'll disagree. I think First of all. I think that they're I don't think that UF's brass thinks that. I think that they and because of other things we've talked about that we won't talk about in the air, I think that they think we are the University of Florida. You come in here and you get it done with what we give you. Yeah. You roll. Like, I think that yeah. they think the logo absolutely recruits itself, which to a certain and extent, it does. It does but so does Georgia and so does Alabama. Much, so, sure, absolutely. I mean, and you just have to, I think to me, and I put this in our chat that we were talking about earlier today, I mean, it's so much on priorities, right? Like, you know, the fact that, you know, we talked about the, the difference between Florida State and Florida. It's, it's actually a little closer to $250,000. So um, just, just shot. Oh, no. I, um, yeah, it's like 230000 Math is tough. Math. <laughs> but uh, so closer to a quarter of a million. So I, I don't know. And you talk about some of the areas like Lakeland and Tampa and stuff like that. I mean, you know, within Florida State's like two-hour radius is like, South Georgia, Valdosta, Tifton, sure. you know, stuff like that, you know. Um, yeah, but you can get to Valdosta in two hours from Gainesville too. So, I mean, they're not yeah, flying. Those to, places are, you know, to, Warner, Warner Robbins is a lot, yeah. you know, a lot closer to Tallahassee and stuff like that. So anyway, I don't, I don't know. Everybody's kind of yeah. got their, their places that they can get to a little bit quicker and stuff. So I don't know that travel, 
I mean, none of, I think, teams are, none of these teams are recruiting any of those Florida areas I, well anyway right now. But uh, yeah, I, I think that when you look at the difference between Florida State and Florida being pretty negligible, right, with quarter million dollars, uh, but then you consider what Georgia and Alabama and, and even Tennessee are spending. Like Tennessee spending well over a million dollars more uh, so, than Florida is. And Arkansas is spending like $700,000 more. And, and then you got like your A&M and your I LSUs mean, well, that are – you know, and so it's just where that priority ends up lying, right? And and ten, and and the the big one is Georgia. Georgia's right. spending three times the amount, and these aren't right. like these aren't like McDonald's bags full of money. Like this is just the money. Right, this is legitimate money. This is money not like whatever investing. might happen to be going right. under the table. This is the this real is like, legal on yeah, the books money that, that these programs are spending. For. So yeah. I get your point, which is that. Florida views itself as an everything school, right? They want their baseball team to be successful. They want their basketball team to be successful. Not that they're doing great about that. They want their softball team to be successful, their track programs, their swim programs, and all of these, their tennis program, all of these programs have won national championships within the last couple of years They that they spread the wealth around. But this is my issue with that. I'm good with being an everything school. I like the idea of us having put money in these other pots and the, and but it's not like the coffers dry. It's not like they took the total that they had and just divided it between all the programs. And this is just football slice. And there's no much, there's no more to be had. Florida could get essentially whatever they want. I mean, Texas A&M, Ohio state, Notre Dame, like there's only a couple of programs that could garner more money than Florida if they wanted it for athletics. So if Florida needed a donor to write a check, if there's just not enough in the account to give that extra million dollars to go get the best of the best recruiting wise legitimately, they could get it. So I think that as a Florida fan, that's the most frustrating thing about seeing it from my end. It's not that they can't afford it. It's just that they're not spending it. I would love to see, though, a breakdown of like what these schools are spending it on um, and how much of it's travel, how much of it is. Uh, you know, the hotels that they're putting the players up in when they come to visit, how much, like, I'd love to see a more um, in-depth breakdown of how it's being spent because, uh, you know, Mullen was asked about it today and he essentially said, listen, that's a question for administration, but I will say I'm not a fan of spending money just to spend money. And I I get that. I don't know that we need a Disney works uh, fire or excuse me, a Disney level fireworks display when recruits pretend run out of the tunnel with the Jersey with their back on, because that's going to be the deciding factor, whether they're coming to Florida or they're coming to Georgia. But if there are some legitimate things that Georgia is spending money on, Alabama is spending money on, that is somehow a difference maker in landing these players. I want to know what it is. And I want to know why we're not doing it. And I think that those are legitimate questions for for Scott Strickland. Um, And I think at some point he should have to answer those, right? Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, you can't. But Florida that is handicapping really Dan Mullen. Absolutely. To say. Florida did a really good job last year of putting together a, a generational offense, one of the best that, that has ever existed in Florida history. In some stat categories, the one of like the best, right? Um, best One of the best passing teams that we've ever seen in all of college football. Like really, really good. Um, but it'd be very interesting to go look at the two, four, seven rankings right now to see if the talent gap between Georgia and Florida has widened. I 
I'd imagine it has just because they continue to recruit like the number one or two class right. every year. And so Florida right. bringing in like a good class at eight or nine. Right. Like, is it, enough it would be, because of the, because of the gap, like the well, gap continues. And, to, and so how do you tell Nolan like you've got to beat this team when they just you, keep getting better and better? Well, than you. And I, I think that the perception of Dan Mullen, and honestly, this was the perception of McAway, and this was perception of, of Muschamp. It was not the perception of Meyer or Zook, but I mean, who knows what the spending, Georgia wasn't spending what they were spending with under Rick, like they are under Kirby. Um, but what I want to know is how much of the difference making is the coach? How much of the difference making is the money? How much, like, what is it that is causing this difference? Because fans assume that it's the coach. Fans assume that Dan Mullen either A, is just not a good recruiter, or B, is a lazy recruiter. And I think that these numbers tell us that neither one of those things are necessarily true, but it is a little bit like fighting with one hand behind your back if you have a third of the available budget that a team like Georgia has. And like I said, not as good of facilities yet. And the logos carry the same weight. You know, that's not, that isn't a fair fight for Dan Mullen to be in. And if that's the way Scott Strickland wants to run his program, that's fine. But I think that it's not fine by me, but whatever, it's his program. But fans have to take that into consideration as fans they will never be reasonable or logical on this stuff. They, yeah. no, they I know that. Think they, th I mean, the problem is that Florida fans have the, and this is true with Florida State too, but they've just been humbled over the last couple of years. But Florida fans have the mindset and the um, expectation that this is the University of Florida and we should compete for a national title every single year. And there's nothing wrong with having that expectation, but right. that is just not reality when you look at the of when, when you, you look, look at the numbers. At what this is yeah what right. the investment level is so i think um, the question has to go to then honestly the the question about what kind of team do you want to be may not necessarily it may be aimed at the wrong person right now dan mullen may not be the coach that you need to ask that of it is he the right fit to do this the question is does he have the right tools to right. do this i i think that um and the answer is probably a combination right correct but, because i think then you know like the administration's not kind of going into some of the boneheaded decision making and the coaching sure. that they're keeping and right. starting this guy or that guy like it's both sides like could could mullen have done better things better yes could he have been sure. given more resources like i think it goes you're right about it I, 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 yeah and i think gonna, it does but i don't know gonna, we're going to run out of time here. So we'll go to picks real quick and then we'll sure. get out of here. But this is a, this, that's a good conversation to have. We'll, you know, to kind of evaluate what expectations are. All right. Florida State's a 10 point underdog. Oh, last week. Let's recap them real quick because I had a fantastic week. So we definitely need to talk about this. Florida State covered their 35 point spread. I got that right. You did not. Oklahoma State covered as seven point underdogs against Iowa State. We both got it right. I took Pittsburgh. You took Clemson. Pittsburgh mm -hmm. covered that spread of minus three. We both took NC State. They blew it late against Miami. Miami ended up outright winning that game. We both got it wrong. Um, we both took Oregon, who ended up covering the spread against UCLA. We both took Bama, although Tennessee looked really, really good in the first half of At that game. At the beginning, game. right? They, they're, if, they're, if, if you guys They're trending awarded, in the right direction. They'll probably beat you guys next year. Like, Mullen will do something stupid and they'll win. It's in Tennessee. Watch. It is. That's we a both got Bama – 
we both got Bama right, and then I got Notre Dame right. You picked USC. I went six and one. You went three and four. So you need a rebound. We are. Mm-hmm. I finally got over 500, 26 and 25. You are 22 and 29. Uh, we'll have to do these fast. Florida State is a 10 point favorite against Clemson. I don't know if I like us to win just yet, but I like us to cover that spread. I like Florida State's cover too. Let's go. Michigan, this is a top 10 matchup, is a four and a half point favorite at Michigan State. No, oh, I cannot. Give me Michigan State. Yeah, I thought you'd do that. I like Michigan here. I don't think Michigan State's that good. Iowa is ranked in the top 10, and they are a three-and-a-half-point underdog at Wisconsin. Give me Iowa. I like Wisconsin here. Pittsburgh is a 10-point favorite at home against Miami. I think Miami got really lucky to stay in the game last week because they played an NC State team that's not very good. I like Pittsburgh to cover this. I do, too. Um, Auburn is a two and a half point favorite over number 10 Ole Miss. Give me Ole Miss. I like Ole Miss as well in that one. Notre Dame is a three and a half point favorite against UNC. I like Notre Dame there. Yeah, me too. Ohio State is an 18 and a half point favorite against number 20 Penn State. Give me Penn State's cover. I like Ohio State to win and win big there. And then the big one, I like Georgia to cover the 14 and a half. Give me Florida. All right. We'll recap them next week and see how much further my league gets over you. Um, do you have a score prediction for the Florida-Georgia game? Let's see what it was before the season. What was it before three, the season? If three minutes before this thing times out. so And before I time out. I don't know how Same. far back I got to go. How many weeks have I been doing this? Um, Excellent live radio. <laughs> There's week one, so we got to be getting close. Getting close. Um, you have Florida oh, 12 and 0. I forgot about that. Um, you have Florida Man. winning this 28 to 24. You know what's I, really funny? I'm sticking with 28 to 24. Okay, I had 38 to 24. I'm gonna change that to 45 17. All right. 45 17. Let's write that down. If that ends up being the final score, the entire next week will just be me talking crap. Um, All right, cool. Well, we will be back next week to recap everything and see how right I was about things. See how right I was about Florida State. Hey, Florida State might not lose another game this year. They may go eight and four. Yeah, we'll see. I don't. (laughs) Unlikely, for sure. We will talk next week. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for interaction. And those that message us and say they enjoy the show, we enjoy doing it. So we will talk to you guys next week. All right. Go Gators.